Welcome on in to the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard, the only place to get daily orange podcasts. Check out the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. We've got a lot to get to today, Tim. We teased yesterday we're going to break down that list of the top 30 ACC players that was put out by College Football News. And then on top of that, we're going to continue our college football preview for Syracuse for whenever they may play, whether it's going to be a bunched-up season this year or when this group gets together the year after that. We'll see how it all plays itself out. But we start today's show with some news on the basketball side of things. Jim Beheim spoke with Donna Datota from Syracuse.com and the Post Standard, and he said that the as a 75-year-old coach, even though he knows that he's in that demographic of at-risk people for COVID-19. He 100% will coach this year. I don't think that's much of a surprise to you or I nope. because, let's be honest, we we know he, he'll get antsy if he is trying to, to step away from the game for a little bit. Even during that little suspension that he served in 2015-2016, you could tell he was a little bit antsy and really wanted to get back out there. But he is 100% in and will be coaching the Orange, it seems like, in 2020-2021, depending on whenever that season gets going. Yeah, I think of all the people that were missing sports during quarantine, Jim Beheim is is right up there at the tippy top. It's not just basketball with him. That dude just yeah. loves ball. Baseball, basketball, football, he loves it all. Yeah, I'm sure he's been watching the golf, too. And I know he's Oh, yeah, definitely. I know he's, he's been playing golf. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, he did say in this He's article, just like us. Like, he's eating, he's golfing, and, and he misses sports. That, that He's pretty much us. He's a regular guy. He just... Yeah. Maybe doesn't show you that side of him when he's behind the mic on a on a press conference. Sometimes he. The only difference between him and us is that he's in the Naismith Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, there's nothing else. <laughs> Not that he invented some miraculous defense that you and I could never do, and he's got a national right. title and Final Fours, and yeah. No, I, I think it's good news. I mean, I I think he said this already a couple times, and actually he was talking to one of our pals, Jonathan Hoppy on something for Qs.com and and he mentioned at the end kind of like unprompted that he is 100% going to be the coach and when I first heard that I was like well of course and then you do remember he's 75 and that's a legit thing that you know it's going to be a concern I don't know if every coach his age is going to feel the exact same way but like you said not surprising to me that our coach feels that way because we kind of know him a little bit and you hope that if we do get basketball back, he can stay safe along with all the players. It's kind of interesting when I was going through that article and he's bringing up some points about how, you know, it's just the new normal. It's sort of like what the PGA Tour was talking about yesterday, how they know tests are coming and they're just going to have to keep going. And Clemson gets 23 positives. They don't shut down. That's the new normal here is you have to plan for positive tests and it, that's what is going to be not an asterisk on this season, but it's going to be another variable if this season happens for basketball where who knows? I mean, we might just be going to the LSU game this year in the non-conference play and boom, like a player test positive and you don't have him for 14 days or longer probably. And you're going to have to adjust on the fly. Like a lot of coaches have to do in their respective sports right now. I think it's going to be interesting too. The ACC specifically, because all of those top coaches, they're all in that at-risk category. 
And I mean, you think of Bayheim, Roy Williams, Leonard Hamilton, somehow Coach K, Leonard all Hamilton, those guys. He doesn't look like right. It, exactly. He he doesn't look a day over fifty, but he's up there. I believe he's in his seventies, yeah, if he not seventies, late sixties. But he does not look like it. But that's the the new reality, like you mentioned. And another thing to consider with Jim Bayheim too is that he, although it's it's long gone. He's a cancer survivor, and some cancer survivors are immunoweakened, and they're still considered True. a little more at risk than the general public. So that's another factor that goes into this decision. But listen, Jim, Jim Beheim's not making a decision like this without heavy medical consultation. Yeah. So he feels good about his his safety and health if he is to coach around a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds who, if they do get it, they probably aren't going to feel the the ill effects of it as much as someone like Beheim would. But also, I mean, for a guy who's 75 years old, Jim Beheim's in fantastic shape. I mean, it doesn't look like he has any difficulty walking out there. He's also, I know he does a lot of Pilates too. He is about as fit as you can be for a 75-year-old. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that his job takes on a massive mental toll in terms of the stress that he deals with. But he seems like he's in very good health for a guy his age and for what he does. But again, this is a, a giant risk that he's taking. And I think the important thing that I read in the article from Donna DeToto was that it seems like he's really emphasizing that everyone needs to take this personal responsibility seriously. You can't just go out there and go out and party for a night or, or go out to a bar or even just go out to a large gathering. You don't have to be in some ma massive group to, to get this. You have to take your social distancing seriously because if you go out and you you pick up COVID-19, then guess what? You're You're out. He says three to four games. I think it's more like five or six. Yeah. Because think Depends about it. On the time and, and again, the the quarantine period too, probably, or at least you've heard some people say, oh, well, it's not 14 days anymore. It's, it's more like 10. But who knows what that's going to be like, especially when this second wave is supposed to hit in the upcoming fall and winter. But you... You first of all have to overcome it. Now, I know some people are asymptomatic, but for some people, you do feel the effects of it and it will kick your tail a little bit if you do have it, even if you are a, a college athlete in the Power Five. It will beat you around a little bit if you do have it. So you have that. Then you got to get back into game con condition and you also have to quarantine for probably two weeks. So when I see that, you have to be fully clear of your symptoms. That, to me, screams 18 to 20 days. So you hear the two-week quarantine period, but it's really a little bit longer than that. So I, I think that's more like five or six games you'd be missing. One other thing worth noting from this article as well is that the Orange will start their preseason workouts July 6th. And again, these are all voluntary workouts too, but as we know, nothing is really voluntary with voluntary workouts. But Bayheim expects everyone to be there except for Jesse Edwards. And of course, Jesse's circumstances are something that Bayheim, the NCAA, none of them can control that right now. And we kind of dove into that uh, in a podcast that we had in, in the last week or so as well. So if you, you missed that, go check out that for Jesse's situation. But basically, he cannot get back into the United States right now. And he's the only person who 
is on the Orange, despite the fact that they have players from a bunch of different countries, he's the only one who is living out of the country right now. Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely going to add another variable to this season. And the other thing to mention from this article is the Robert Braswell news that kind of trickled out through this. It sounds like he's definitely coming back to Syracuse. Not really news, because I think that's what most were assuming at this point. But there was some talks of maybe him transferring and that he was mulling it over. He's definitely coming back. And Beheim was pretty candid about where his health situation is. He didn't say anything bad about it, but he just said he's been resting which he thinks is good for him, but this is such a mystery injury with his knees and this chronic pain he's been having in his knees that who knows is basically what he said. He said, we won't know until he starts playing again at full speed. And from there, we'll find out just how much help the rest was for him. And obviously for Robert Braswell's sake, we just hope we can see him kind of have a healthy season and get to his potential that we're all hoping he can get to. So there's kind of your off-season update from the coach himself for the Syracuse basketball team. All right, coming up next, we're going to dive into this top 30 ACC football players list, including a very highly rated Andre Sisco. But first, we got to tell you about rockauto.com. Today's world, I mean, there are so many different places that are trying to get you to buy car parts. But With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, models, it's pretty much impossible for these storefronts to stock all these parts for all these different types of cars. So why go through the process and hassle of trying to go to the storefront, them not having the part you want, then having to order it, you come back and you pick it up. No, you can eliminate that entire process. You can just go to rockauto.com because everyone has to maintain and repair their cars. And what better way to do it than by saving money? Why would you spend 30, 50, or even twice the price of the exact same auto parts at a chain? You can go to rockauto.com and get those same parts for much, much less. Rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years now. That's right. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even some new carpet. You get some stains on there. I know some kids are going back to baseball, soccer practice. You got to make that carpet look good. So why not go to rockauto.com to get the mud off your old, old carpets? The catalog online is not just expansive, but also super, super easy to navigate it as well. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Again, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. CollegeFootballNews.com came out with their top 30 ACC players list about a week ago now. And 
Syracuse checks in with just one guy, Andre Sisco coming in pretty high on the list, number nine as we teased to you yesterday on the show. Andre Sisco, although he is number nine on the list, he is the sixth rated defender, which I found very shocking. But are you surprised? Did you think he'd be a little bit higher, a little bit lower? Or are you surprised that he's the only Syracuse guy on the list? I think the only other guy you can make a case for is Andre Schmidt, and they're not going to put a, a kicker on this list, I don't think. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's just I, they won't put a punter on this list, I don't think, either. It's Yeah, no special teams guy. Unless right. you're a receiver and you also just happen to be really good at special teams, that's the only way I could see one of those guys making this list. Yeah, like a Sean Riley, but a little bit better maybe, so you could be in that category. I. I think that's a fair ranking. I mean, number nine is probably higher than I would have. Nothing to slouch at. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I, I think number nine, I guess it's a hard way. I always wonder, should you say higher or lower in these situations? But what I'm saying is <laughs> number nine is probably better than I thought it would have been, especially if you asked me like four or five weeks ago. But now it feels like fitting because he's getting so much buzz. And it feels like we've talked about Cisco way more than any other player on this podcast. And we always are kind of bringing up these accolades he's getting as they continue to pour in. But he's the active leader in interceptions in the entire country. So stats While missing games, too. Right. That's that's the other crazy thing. And he's only going to be a junior. But, I mean, for someone who was not supposed to be that highly touted of a, of a recruit. I mean, was a pretty good recruit, but just a three-star, middle-of-the-pack three-star, was ranked number 929 in his class. And boom, here he is as a top-ten player in the ACC going into his junior year. Like, again, we've said it a lot, but that's such a win for Syracuse. It's funny. You bring up the, the stars, and 24-7 did a breakdown of this top 30 as well. Five of the top 10 guys were all three stars. So it just kind of shows you sure. that college football, if you find those diamonds in the rough. Now, I'm sure if we did this list in the SEC, you're probably not seeing five of the top 10 guys as three stars. But I think it is worth noting that, yeah, Syracuse found a diamond in the rough and really developed him into the safety that he is today, and a guy who's going to be in contention to be a first-round pick. One thing that I found a little bit interesting, not that I necessarily disagree with it, but he is the second-rated safety on this list. He's behind Florida State's Hamza Nasruddin, who, I mean, he's one of the, the best tacklers. I mean, you hear the criticism of Cisco is that he needs to be a little surer of a tackler. Nasruddin had 101 tackles last season as a safety. He's putting up linebacker numbers from the secondary position, which I found very, very intriguing as to why he's probably a little bit higher. Sure, the interception numbers are nice, and I guess from a defensive standpoint, those are the quote-unquote fantasy numbers that you look for, but... 101 tackles. I mean, if, if you're in the open field and Nasruddin's on the other side, you're going down. It is a yeah. pretty nice thing to have in your back pocket, especially at the safety position. Nasruddin is a really good player, so I'm fine with that. He's also just your typical Florida State secondary guy that is uber-talented. And, if I mean, I might rather have Andre Sisco, but Nasruddin's a player that has all those sort of intangibles that you're looking for. And is a great tackler. He did a lot of damage when Syracuse played him, played Florida State this past year. The For those curious, one and two is Travis Etienne, or Travis Etienne's two, Trevor Lawrence is one. 
Clemson makes sense. Travis Etienne, you kind of forget he's the reigning back-to-back ACC player of the year, and he's number two just because his quarterback, Trevor <laughs> yeah. Lawrence. Um, right. And I don't disagree with it. I think Lawrence is probably... Running backs, man, always catching the wrong end. I know. Shaft. It's true. I don't know. Like, I just don't... I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat this. Like, this Syracuse team is not that talented that they have this year. And Cisco's kind of the only guy... I'll be curious once the all-ACC teams come out because I think Schmidt has a chance to be on it, and I've seen some rumblings of that. I don't think he has a chance. I think he is on the list. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, like I'm saying he could be first team. I'll, I'll be curious if he's okay. second, third, yeah. what he is. He'll, he should definitely be on it. I'll be very upset if he's not. But like last year, Syracuse had the two defensive ends. Cisco was on it. Hoffrichter was on it. I think Sean Riley got a special teams nomination. I might be leaving out a couple there as well. I don't you know. Tristan Jackson wouldn't have been on it, but he because he exceeded expectations. One of the few guys that did. But like, there's no one really outside of Cisco and Schmidt. I mean, who's next? You can't put Tommy DeVito on that list. And right, you can't. I, I don't think maybe you're like Melifonwu is a guy that maybe makes it. But again, yeah. you're playing in a league that's got a couple of really talented defensive backs littered throughout it. Right. I That's why I, I would be very intrigued to see where Syracuse would end up next if this list extended to 50 guys. I think yeah. that would be a very interesting thing to see. And, and I guess we kind of, in a sense, we'll see that once those preseason All-ACCs right. come out. I think that's but, my point, though. I think if this list was 100 guys, and I, maybe some people are going to be upset when I say this, but I think this is just the reality, and it's not doesn't mean that I don't think Syracuse is going to be good this year or better than expectations. But if they had 100 guys, top 100 in the ACC, Syracuse probably has the fewest amount of players on that list this year. Well, uh, okay, I've actually I've broken down the numbers, and I'll, I'll give you a little trivia in a second, too, okay. because I think you'll really enjoy it. But a right, cool. couple other notes off of that. And again, kind of to your point, too, we talked about this yesterday on the show, but Syracuse is very in a very similar situation as it was in 2018, when they did end up going 10 and three, it was just the fact that you needed a lot of guys to boom as opposed to bust. And in that 2018, pretty much everything that could go right did go right in terms of guys exceeding expectations. And so, sure, we look at this top 30 list now, and at the end of the year, we may look foolish because some of these Syracuse guys way overperformed their expectations. Like, think about heading into that senior season for Eric Dungy, how many guys would be on that list? Probably not many of the top 30 in terms of guys who would be on the list. In fact, Eric Dungy may have not even have been on that list heading into that year. If he was, he would have been near the tail end of it. He certainly would not have been in the top 15, 20 guys. But when you evaluate it at the end of the year, Eric Dungy is no doubt one of the top 10 players in the ACC, if not top five guys in the ACC. Now, there were a lot of talented guys who played maybe not as important positions, but... In terms of you balance the the level of position that he played and the level of play that he had on the field, he was definitely in those top five or ten guys. Uh, another notable thing that I found on this list was that of the 30 names, 21 were defense. So 70% of that list is on the defensive side of the ball. And when I see that and I think about Syracuse's defense and how they had their struggles last year, you're bringing in a new scheme. I kind of like that from Dino Babers, of going out there, getting a new defensive coordinator, have Tony White run the show, 
because this is going to be a defensive heavy league. Even though you look at the cream of the crop in Clemson and you see Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, who is arguably the best quarterback and arguably the best running back in the entire country, not just the conference, the entire country, defense is going to be what is going to win you a lot of games in the ACC. So that's the half full angle there. And I do kind of agree with it. But to play devil's advocate and give you the half empty because I'm just a miserable person, I guess. Another way you could look at it is I looked at this list, top 30 players. I don't, I didn't count up the number, but I'm scrolling through and all I'm seeing, I feel like, is defensive end, defensive tackle. Offensive line for Syracuse is their weakness. So, you know, I saw, <laughs> I saw something the other day, Pittsburgh, and this surprised me, but it makes sense once you crunch the numbers. In the entire college football, all power five, all everything, Someone had Pittsburgh as the top defensive line unit in the country and Clemson as number two. I think they ranked like 25 of them. Those are the only two I ACC. I think there's three pit defensive ends on, or not defensive, defensive linemen on this list. Yeah. And it's, it goes back to the Aaron Donald days for them where they've just been bringing in good defensive linemen. But they played Pitt in the in the last game of the season on the on the current schedule. And Florida State's got some good guys. So, I mean, offensive line's going to be a big deal, as it has been for Syracuse in the past. That's the half-empty way of looking at it. But Yeah, I, I didn't right. even mean to... I didn't mean to pitch that as a half-full. I'm no, just saying that I'm that's the way saying. Dino attacked it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to produce the results. But just know that if you are going to produce the results, that's the way that you're going to have success. It's going to have to come on the defensive side of the ball. And I think you bring up an, an amazing point, too, that when you see how many defensive guys and especially defensive alignment are on that list, and that's what it's Syracuse scary. is going to have to go up against every single day or every single week, rather, in, in games, that's going to be very tough for them. So all but one team was represented on this list. You want to guess what team was left off? Huh. Georgia Tech? I'll give you a hint. No, it's not Georgia Tech. Really? Georgia Tech had one. Um, I, I, so I crunched the numbers of it, and, and I'll give you the, the, top, the top couple of schools in a second. But okay. I'm trying to think of the best way to give you a NC hint. NC State? Let's just – there you go. I was going to say the keyboards are going to be clicking. <laughs> okay. Pack <laughs> yeah. Pride, if they saw this list, which I'm sure they have, were definitely not happy with that. But I think that kind of goes back to our point where, yeah, Syracuse may not have a great season, but I don't think they're the worst team in the ACC. Now, that's not saying much, but I don't think they are the worst team in the ACC. So Clemson led the way, unsurprisingly, with seven of the 30 guys on that list, by far and away ahead of the next best team, which was Pitt, who you brought up, with four guys on the list. Miami and Virginia Tech each had three. Virginia, Wake Forest, UNC, Florida State with a pair. Both the Florida State guys were in the top 10 as well. And then Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Duke, BC, Louisville, each with one apiece. Okay, makes sense. Tough for NC State. I'm sure their fans are are really upset with this article. But, you know, the ACC is not very good this year. So if you, and it hasn't been good for a couple years, really. It was really not good last year. Outside of Clemson, there's a lot of wins to be had this year. It's just going to be a matter of which Syracuse shows up once the season starts. Is it something like what we saw two years ago, or is it something like what we saw last year? 
Exactly. All right, when we come back, we're going to get back into that ESPN College football preview that we started with on Monday. We're going to top it off here coming up next. So we'll close out today's show with something that we talked about earlier in the weeks. ESPN put out their college football preview for the ACC, and they had, I think they were a little more optimistic than most are with Syracuse. They projected them out to be 5-7, and 2-6 and six in the conference, which that doesn't sound very good, but it's a lot more optimistic than some of these publications that have put out Syracuse as a team that might go 0-8 in the ACC. So they've ranked them prematurely at 93rd in the S&P Plus, which is actually 16 spots below where they were a season ago. I think what's worth noting is that this is a team that, kind of like we mentioned with Andre Sisco, is going to need to have a lot of boomer bust guys because ESPN's projections have them with seven games where they're projected within a touchdown. Now, that's both in a winning fashion and a losing fashion, but if you shore up and maybe pick off one or two extra games that you're supposed to lose within a touchdown margin and they turn into wins then you're looking at a team that could maybe pull off a seven or eight win season. But right now, I think five wins is the best way to pin this team. Yeah, so this is my dilemma. I do this every year when you have too much time and you're waiting for sports to come back. This year, especially when you're looking at a sportsless world right now, essentially. But you look at the schedule and you have way too much time to look at the schedule and you start to play that game where you run through and you say, win there, lost there, okay, how many did it add up to? For me, I look at Syracuse's roster, and I honestly am not that impressed. Like you said, there's a lot of guys that need to boom, not a lot of known quantities. Objectively, I think it's one of the least talented rosters in the ACC. Unfortunately, that's just the state of things after losing a good chunk in the skill position group, losing your linebackers, and having some iffy spots in the offensive line to worry about as well, I'd say. But then I run through the schedule, and I feel like they can get to six wins because there's so many games where you're like, ah, oh, that's 50-50. I, I, I could see them pulling that out at home, and even that first game on the road at Boston College. Now, we don't know when these games are going to be played, but I don't know. When you play the schedule game, to me, that's where, like you're saying, there's a lot of close games out there. I feel more optimistic that Dino can sort of figure it out and get his guys to pull off some of those close games and get in a comfortable spot early in the season because it's not that tough of a start. And then maybe from there, you just pick off one or two more wins to get to a bowl game. And I will say this, seeing the seven games projected within a touchdown, that's a step up from last year because this team had as many blowout losses as it had wins. Yeah. So when you take that into consideration as well, I guess that's a little bit of promising. There are guys who are going to need to boom, as we've, we've hit on. on, on both sides of the ball too. I mean, you're going to need, well, actually, let's further that, all three phases, because what are you going to get out of the punting position too? You're going to yeah. have to replace Sterling Hoffrichter. And that's no easy task. I mean, you're replacing an all-American level guy, and Sterling Hoffrichter filled the shoes of Riley Dixon very well, but now you're going to have to do that again. And James Williams, he's going to have to be ready to go right away, and, and that's no easy task to pick up on as well. So I think 
when you look at all three phases, yes, you're going to need some of those boom guys because I think you're right when you say this team isn't doesn't have a, a whole ton of talent on the roster, but you could have said the same thing in 2018 as well. They didn't have the most talent, or rather, I shouldn't say the most talent. They didn't have the second most talent in the ACC, no. but they had a system that worked. They had personnel that was good together, and that is why they came out 10-3 and three that season. And... I think you could say that with a number of teams across the country. They may not be the best team, but they've got systems that work. Yeah. And I think Syracuse is one of those teams where once they get the pieces together, they will have a system that works. But we don't know what those pieces and what level of play those pieces are going to give you for this upcoming season, especially in what's going to be a strange offseason. Yeah. Let's play the who do we think has potential to boom game because i think that's kind of interesting i love this game actually let's do it yeah so i'm sure we'll play this many times right we will i think a one wide receiver is gonna really supplant himself as the guy because that's just what yeah we see it every year too and i think probably multiple have a chance to boom a couple guys i think taj harris it's hard to really classify him as a boom guy because he kind of falls into the known quantity zone a little bit because we saw so much his freshman year it just felt like him and DeVito weren't on the same page last year but if he is the kind of the head and shoulders top guy going into camp I'd say he has a good chance to put up really good numbers next year but how about Ed Hendricks I know it's injuries and we don't know what we're getting and it's really just an iffy thing because we haven't seen him healthy once, but I mean, talk about someone that I just love to see make an impact for Syracuse and get on the field. Loved his highlight tape in high school. Loved his stats. And he was everything. one of the higher rated guys in his class yeah. too, that he came in with for the orange. Yeah. Six, three, just a really a talented wide receiver. I believe some places had him as a four star. Yep. He, and I think most did. And look like, We've just been robbed of him. Syracuse got this big recruiting win, and they haven't been able to get any of the reciprocals because he's been hurt. You see him on the spring depth chart now. You hope that's just a sign that he's healthy. Maybe going into this season, this is finally a year where he comes out of the pack, someone that we look back on and we're like, oh, yeah, like we should have saw that coming if he is healthy. Now, that's that's the big if right now is his health, though. My boom guy from the receiving position i'm gonna go with nikeem johnson for and i think his he kind of falls in the same category as taj harris in the sense that it's tough to call him a boom guy because we have seen him boom and it was in that same season that taj harris had a very good year but here's why i think that nikeem could be in for a bit of a better season next year is because of the fact that when you look at the offensive line play and you look at what makes Nikeem so valuable is that he's so great in the deep game. I mean, how many times did you see Nikeem Johnson go long for Tommy, or rather for Eric Dungy? Yeah. And even and for Tommy DeVito yeah. in that season, too. I mean, he scored the big touchdown in that UNC game to get him right back in the ball game. So, NC State. When too. you look at that, yeah, yeah exactly. If, he, if Tommy DeVito has time to throw and Nikeem Johnson has time to get down the field, then you're going to see those numbers rise again. 
But last year, he, Tommy DeVito had no time to throw. Therefore, Nikeem doesn't have time to get down the field. And you, thus, you see him pretty much a ghost season out of him. I mean, there was not much mention of Nikeem Johnson a season ago. Oh, God. It was shocking. That was my favorite joke amongst friends or stat was like, how many targets, how many catches does Nikeem Johnson have? He had like five through eight games or something. And then there was that one game, I think it was Pitt, one half, where he eclipsed his total yardage and total production in like one quarter, which just showed you how much of a kind of non-factor he was. Not maybe his fault entirely, more so offensive line and not getting targets and not being able to have the ball as much as Syracuse thought maybe, but someone who I really liked. And then it was like, whoa, where, what has happened to his stats? So I'm with you on that one. Hopefully they can get him more involved defensively. I do like the linebackers. I just think it's going to be tough because they're in a tough position to succeed. New defense, not a lot of time to learn the defense, learn their new roles. But like a guy like Michael Jones or Jeff Canton, I really think they could surprise some people this year if it clicks for them. The question is, if this season happens, how much time will they have and how prepared will they be to go up against the ACC running backs and ACC receivers? It's a tough position to be in when you're a first-year starter, but I have high hopes for their careers. Yeah, I think that that's a good one. Um, I think the linebacking, like you mentioned in general, but I think it also is kind of on the defensive line too. I mean, there there's so many places you could go with on this on this uh, defensive side of the ball in terms of who has to be the guy to step up. You, you bring up a good one in the the linebacking core. I think especially Tyrell Richards. He's a guy who's been so good on special teams, and now you yeah. want to see him make a play on the field. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but I'm going to also say the defensive line too. I mean, Drew Tuazama, what are you going to get there? Red shirt freshman, or is it going to be Caleb Okachukwu too? He's another guy. They're going to be battling out for that position on the defensive end side. Josh Black, guy. I yeah. want to see something out of him too. I mean, he, he's battled injuries throughout his career. He's a freak athlete. I mean, we've seen the video of him doing a backflip off the wall and tweeting at The Rock saying that he wants to be his stunt double one day. <laughs> and then McKinley, McKinley Williams up the middle, too. Syracuse has to replace two very, very good defensive ends in Kendall Coleman and Alton Robinson, both of which will be playing on Sundays in the near future. Can they do that? We'll see. That's what this offseason is going to have to show us because – like you mentioned, there's a lot of defensive ends and defensive tackles that are really, really good in this league, as we highlighted in that 30 best players in the ACC list. Syracuse, not the, they don't have any of those guys. They don't have any of those guys that I think would be sniffing an all-ACC uh, preseason team right now. And they're going to have to really prove it if they're going to get some pressure on the quarterback this year. Yeah, I will say one positive. You mentioned Josh Black, redshirt senior. Outside of that, I think everyone we mentioned has at least multiple years to play at Syracuse in their career. So I'm not that saying... That is true. McKinley Williams, another guy who who's yeah, a redshirt senior as well. that's true. But, I mean, I'm not saying that we should just, like, look past this season. You know, it's kind of a weird position we're in when we're evaluating and doing previews for a season that may not happen when we think it's going to happen. But I do think Syracuse's future is bright when you think of Tommy DeVito 
Ify Melifonwu, guys like that. Cisco's going to leave, and that's just because he's going to go to the draft. But Taj Harris, I guess Nikeem Johnson's another guy we mentioned that's a senior. There's going to be skill position guys. Those linebackers are going to stay. The secondary's mostly going to come back. There's a lot of juniors and a lot of sophomores who I have high hopes for that will probably be here for multiple years, which is good to have. Yeah, so we'll continue to monitor this throughout the summer. Again, that's just kind of breaking down the rest of that ESPN ACC preview. Hopefully, there is a season. We'll see if it gets jammed in. It's going to be tough because you see all these positive tests popping up, but we are seeing a lot of these programs just try to push through. So hope everyone else out there is staying safe, staying healthy. Tomorrow is actually, Tim, our 100th episode, so we'll have to do something fun for that. Probably something along the fantasy draft lines in that regard. Also, Matthew Gutierrez put out a great article of the we give Goody guys too much that love. we get it. We do give him too much <laughs> love, but you know what? We we have to give him that love because he shows that love right back our way. So we're gonna talk tomorrow about some of the guys that are coming into the basketball program for this coming year and who are their comps of Syracuse players from the past. So that's going to be on tomorrow's show. Can't wait for that. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you for the hundredth time tomorrow.